Sloth Uni. We're back with another class session and we got a good one today. With training camp coming up, there's going to be a lot of positional battles going on that you should be keeping an eye out for. I won't be going over every team, but it will be most teams that are most interesting positions that have people competing. Some teams will have multiple positions. We'll also be going over some injured players that you should be keeping tabs on to see who will be ready to start the season and who will likely start on the pup list. That's physically unable to perform for those who don't know. You know, here at Sloth University, we like to keep our students informed. But enough blabbering, let's get into this lesson. Starting off with the best division in football, because why not, the AFC East. Every team in this division has some juicy camp battles to watch, and it just so happens to be all at the same positions. They don't call it the copycat league for no reason, am I right? Now, even though I would love to talk about the Miami Dolphins first, we'll go in order of standings from the previous season for the sake of being fair. I will state that we'll come out on top in this division, should Tua stay healthy though. You heard it here first. But we're still blabbering. What would a lesson be without a little off-the-rails ramble session though? But first up, we got the Buffalo Bills. The Bills somehow ended up drafting another one of my favorite prospects that was in the draft. They did it with Josh Allen, and they've done it again with James Cook. He was one of my favorite running back prospects, and I see him as more than just a change of pace third down back. The Bills already have Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, so Cook has an uphill battle for an early down work. But it's already been reported that they've been using him as a slot receiver. That's great news for him as Cole Beasley just departed, so some of the short game work can go to him. Speaking of the short game work, we'll talk about that in a second, but for now, let's try to stay on topic. Since he's been drafted, for the past two years, Zach Moss has been in a battle with Devin Singletary for the lead back in Buffalo. Singletary was drafted to be the guy, but he never showed he could, so they drafted a complimentary piece that could possibly take over the backfield. Since then, none of them really gained the lead over each other, and towards the end of the season, Devin gained the stronger hold of the backfield. But his grip isn't that tight. He'll likely start the season as the leader of early down work with Moss on the goal line duties. Should Cook impress like I believe he will, he should steal a bit of the early down work from Singletary though. He's more talented between the tackles than many would have you believe, and I think he's went to the perfect system for him. The Bills already don't run the ball very much, and I get it. They have a Martian at quarterback. And as the youngsters are saying nowadays, he's him. The best use the Bills can get out of their running backs would be from pass catching, and that's what separates Cook from the other two. He will be on the field for what I believe will be the majority of passing downs, and for the Bills, that's damn near every down. He's going to get quite a lot of playing time should he steal some early down work, so be on the lookout. Fantasy nerds write that one down. The other position of interest to watch on this team is at wide receiver. The Bills recently signed Jamison Crowder and parted ways with Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley. I said we were going to get into that short game, didn't I? The battle for the number two role of Timothy Allen's pass catcher will be in full go. Many, like myself, believe Gabriel Davis will rise to the occasion and become the player we've seen in flashes, but you can't ignore Jamison Crowder's presence. He has had great success with subpar QB play over the years and still find ways to be effective. I believe he'll slot into Cole Beasley's role, no pun intended, but once upon a time, it could have been argued Cole was the number two for Allen. Gabriel Davis will have to step up his game in order to secure a firm hold of that number two spot or they could find themselves split in that role. With Diggs being the undisputed one, the others could very likely see the number two vary from week to week if nobody separates themselves. I don't see James Cook putting a significant dent in either of their targets, but the Bills have been trying to acquire J.D. McKissick, and they actually did acquire him until he flip-flopped on them and went back to the Washington Commanders, so they have a clear role for James Cook. If they manage to find a dominant in the rough with him, he could very well eat a significant chunk, but I doubt he'll do it in his rookie season. On to the Bills' injuries. 
First-team All-Pro cornerback Trey White is recovering from a mid-season ACL tear. Rumors have been that he may start the season on the pup, but he could be back sooner if his rehabbing has gone well. There isn't a lot of information out there on his injury status, but with camp quickly approaching, we should know his time frame. I will say that the team said he's on schedule for week one, but that still remains to be seen. Next up, we got the New England Patriots. I just want to start off by saying fuck the Patriots. Alright, let's get on to the Dolphins. Alright, but for real, the Patriots have some sneaky camp battles coming up. One of them, not many are talking about, but will be a key battle to watch, is the wide receiver one spot. This spot is currently being held by Jacoby Myers, and while he's been decent, he hasn't done anything to cement himself in that role. And people stopped talking about this news after the initial buzz died down, but the Patriots traded a third-round pick for wide receiver Devontae Parker. Given the trade market for wide receivers, that's a pretty hefty price for an age and injury-prone receiver. Undeniably, when on the field, Parker is very talented and he can easily take over as a wide receiver one. I think he's the most talented wide receiver on his roster and could succeed in this scheme. They've been missing a legitimate threat on the boundary and Parker excels in the short game and can attack the defense vertically with jump balls. Should he stay healthy, which is the big if here, he should have a very nice season and elevate the play of Mac Jones. The chemistry between Mac and Myers shouldn't be underestimated though. There's still a chance Myers hangs on to his role as the first option in this offense. My personal favorite battle on this team will be the one for the lead back. Damian Harris currently has his job, but second year running back Ramondre Stevenson has a chance to snatch it away from him. I believe he's the better and more versatile back. But the Patriots always love to utilize multiple running backs, so both will still have a role. But the lead role is still up for grabs. And over there, the best man plays regardless of what has happened previously. Stevenson spent most of his rookie season in Belichick's doghouse after a fumble in his first call to action. The next time he got his number called, he fared much better and earned his way into the rotation. I've been a big fan of the workhorse out of Oklahoma since before he got drafted. In his college days, the Sooners didn't lose a single game in which they gave him 30 plus carries. He's a power back that is deceptively agile and has just enough speed to break off big plays. Yet he somehow etched out a role as third down and pass catching back. I think he serves best as goal line and early down, but he has yet to earn that role. For fantasy purposes, he would essentially kill the value of Harris should he bite into either of those. And it may take more than camp for him to put a serious dent in Harris's role, but be sure to keep an eye out on their movement during the season. Many were predicting he could take over in his rookie year, but given Belichick's track record with the rookies, that was a long shot. Finally, on to the best team in the AFC and the future 2022 Super Bowl champions, the Miami Dolphins. Much of this Dolphins offense is a mystery as they are under new management, at least on the offensive side. New head coach Mike McDaniel tried to retain as much of the defense from coaching to players as he could, and they managed to keep pretty much everything the same for the most part. The offense, on the other hand, is going through a full, much-needed makeover. Everything about the offense last year was underwhelming, from coaching to scheme to usage to execution. It was a shit show, to put it lightly. I have no clue what this offense will look like next year, and I won't pretend to act like I do. They revamped the coaching staff, O-line, receiving room, and running back room. Early reports from OTAs is that the defensive players can't believe the transformation that the offense has gone through. And it all starts with newly acquired wide receiver Tyreek Hill. The only problem is that the Dolphins already had a great young talent in Jalen Waddle, who just broke the rookie reception record. It'll be interesting to see how their usage and target share get situated. Waddle and Tua have already shown to have a great chemistry and that shouldn't be overlooked. But Tyreek is an amazing talent and it's hard to not see him as the top option in the offense. He partly played his second fiddle to Travis Kelce in Kansas City, but that was more 1A, 1B. I think it'll be closer than that than either one of them taking hold. Players have raved about Mike McDaniel and his understanding of the game, and anybody with the brain could see that Waddle was being misused with his last regimen. But I do believe that was partly due to the deficiencies on the offensive line. 
Tyreek Hill has been very vocal about how he didn't like how the Chiefs started to use him in his recent years, which has been really short and quick routes. My early prediction is that Tyreek finishes with more yards, but Waddle has more catches. I don't think Waddle hits 100 catches again, but his yards per catch is most likely going to go up. Touchdowns could really go either way, and the number one spot will likely vary from week to week with these two. But as far as positional battles go, the running back situation is going to be the one to watch for sure. This team was very aggressive in their pursuit of Chase Edmonds, but already have two running backs who have had success in the league in Miles Gaskin and Savan Ahmed. They also went ahead and signed Sony Michelle for a little razzle-dazzle. The biggest name to watch who is also injured right now, so it's a double-time pack watch. Raheem Mostert is the most underrated signing on this team. He's been often injured throughout his career, so it's easy to forget just how great he was when he was on the field, but he's also been in this scheme before and excelled in it. And he may be the most effective rusher in this scheme in recent years. And when asked what his potential role would be on this team, he said McDaniels told him his role will have not changed. When he was healthy, his role on the 49ers was the lead back, and he was also there in some pass catching duties as well. Which makes what this offense could look like even more head scratching, because where does Chase Edmonds fit into the fold? My prediction is that Sony is just playing B in case Mostert isn't ready to go for the start of the season. And this may be a hot take, but I don't believe Miles Gaskin makes the final roster. Between him and Savan from the old regime, I feel like Savan Ahmed fits this new scheme better. He also spent time on the 49ers before he even came to Miami, so it's not his first rodeo in this scheme. Mostert is, by all reports, making good time in his recovery and says he's close to 100%. Should he participate in training camp, it will provide a lot more clarity on what this backfield will look like in the season. There are some who think Sony Michelle will play a role in a rotation, but I think he's more mainly just a break in case of emergency should anything happen to Mostert. Which is smart considering his injury history. I would have personally gone with a different option, but Michelle has had success in the league and specifically on the Rams who run a similar style offense. Now for the New York football, J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 have made some interesting pickups this season. I don't like it. (laughs) This division might have just got some competition, which yes, will make for some more entertaining football, but it was fun curb stomping the Jets each and every year. Not that we're scared of a little competition and that we won't absolutely crush them in a sweep again next year, but the Dolphins are a lot closer to the Bills than they are the level of the Patriots. And the Jets are a lot closer to the level of the Giants than they are the Patriots. There's levels to this, people. Should the Jets actually improve this season, the AFC East could turn into one of the best divisions in football. The Jets took what many had as the wide receiver one, cornerback one, and running back one of the draft. Starting off with the running back position, they already had a solid running back in Michael Carter, who did well in his limited time as the lead back in his rookie season. He was mildly efficient and was head and shoulders the best rusher of the team last year. But he wasn't a difference maker. And that's what the Jets clearly hope Brees Hall will bring to their team. Watching the tape, it's hard to find many holes in his game. He has ideal size, strength, elusiveness, speed, blocking, and can catch out of the backfield. He has the skill set of a workhorse. But he's going to a team that has shown they want to use a committee. Now, I don't believe Carter will be completely phased out of the offense given the success he's had. But he'll likely be second fiddle to Hall. And now he was second fiddle to Javante Williams while they were both at UNC. And they both had success. Some running backs just aren't built for the workhorse role and perform better at change of pace. I do believe Brees Hall will secure a lead back role fairly quickly, but the thing to watch will be just how much of a timeshare this is. I suspect it may start out at 60-40, but if the Jets are confident in Hall, they could go 70-30 out of the gates. I imagine it'll be very close to how the Colts will utilize their backfield with Naeem Himes and Jonathan Taylor. Now with the camp battle you should be paying the most attention to for the Jets is... The number one wide receiver spot. They already have a young ascending talent in Elijah Moore, but they took Garrett Wilson high in the first round for some added juice. 
Many will try to throw Corey Davis into the mix, but I think it's more of a two-man race with Davis being the likely third option. I love Elijah Moore, and I think he's extremely talented, and he's my vote to win this battle, but the talent of Wilson cannot be ignored. He was the number one on the team that featured one of my favorite wide receiver prospects coming out of this draft in Chris Olave. I do still prefer Olave at the two, but I can't ignore the fact that Wilson was the alpha on the same team. But Elijah Moore is coming from a pipeline that just delivered two of the most physically dominant young receivers in the game right now in A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. Their games aren't close to being the same, but that's some good company to be in. It does help that he's already had some success in the league and his limited games played. His immense talent shined through even with subpar QB play, which is always a good sign for wide receivers. And I'm a firm believer in good wide receivers shine even when their quarterback isn't good. Their potential may be capped, but they still produce and show their skills because somebody has to catch the ball, right? This will be a close battle and from initial reports, it seems like Moore is winning. But that's to be expected as Garrett Wilson is just entering the league. But for both of them to be successful with Zach Wilson as their QB, he'll have to take a step forward in his development. For fantasy purposes right now, I think only the number one is going to be relevant, but this offense has the potential to be very explosive. The next division we got up to bat is the AFC North. There's only two teams from this division that have notable positional battles though. Speaking of the AFC North though, this is a bit off topic, but the NFL is closing in on a decision about Deshaun Watson's suspension, and reports are they're leaning in on going with an indefinite time frame, which means he'll likely miss the entirety of this year and they'll go from there once the season ends. If anything else pops up, he'll likely stay suspended for either another year or half the next year. This was definitely the way to go for the NFL. Should he have only gotten a solid year, there would have been comparisons to the Calvin Ridley suspension, which was for gambling. The NFLPA, which is the NFL Player Association for those who aren't aware, may try to challenge the ruling by the league and ask for a singular year since there were technically no criminal charges. And looking at how Watson's contract was structured, it's likely that this was the plan all along. He missed out on virtually no money had he got suspended the whole year. This scenario gives everybody the best possible situation. The league gets an easy out saying they suspended him indefinitely, but they got appealed to one year by the NFLPA. Watson doesn't get as harsh of a punishment as he would have gotten and even got rewarded with the massive fully guaranteed contract. And the NFLPA does their job. Alright, we got sidetracked just a little bit, but since we were talking about the AFC North, I thought we should cover that bit of information. This was a long ass introduction though. Blabberberry at your service. Now let's get into these camp battles. Starting off with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Stay with a seven, baby. The Steelers are a team that I'm not quite sure how they're going to perform this upcoming season. They've improved in a lot of positions, but I can't ignore the fact that they very well could have downgraded at the most significant position on the team. Yes, Big Ben was physically deteriorating in his final years and was holding back the offense from a physical perspective, but he was still very accurate in the short to intermediate range and could still throw the deep ball. He just couldn't fit the deep close window shots that he used to. It's also very important to not forget everything he brought to the team with his locker room presence. His leadership played a big role in a lot of their wins. You don't have as many fourth quarter comebacks as he did with just skill. It takes a certain type of person to gather a group of football players late in the game to lead a comeback. I believe that even Big Ben in his final years were better than any quarterback the Steelers have currently on roster. It will be key to watch how the battle between Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett plays out. Mitch has a clear head start as just being a vet in the league and is just learning a new system on a new team. Kenny Pickett is just starting out in the league and has to get through all the rookie trials and tribulations. But Kenny has first round draft capital so we'll likely see him on the field sooner or later. But if Mitch impresses it could be prolonged till next season. But there will come a time where the organization wants to see what the person they spent such a premium resource on has to offer. 
Kenny is currently running with the third team unsurprisingly, but will have a chance to work his way up in training camp in the preseason. I personally like Mitchell Trubisky and believe he can be a serviceable starter in this league, but the Steelers are ready to win now and his style of play can very well get him benched midseason should the team start to underperform. My pick to start the season is Mitch and I would be shocked if Kenny started the season over him. I do think Kenny will make an appearance this season if Mitch starts to struggle and they need someone to try to right the ship. Whether Kenny's the answer has yet to be seen, but I did like him coming out of college and had him as my second favorite prospect behind Sam Howell. I always viewed Kenny Pickett as the most NFL ready along with Desmond Ritter, so I don't think it'll take him that long to adjust to the league. Now there's a very under the radar camp battle that will be brewing in Pittsburgh. And I don't think many will expect what may happen. With wide receiver Deontay Johnson expecting a new contract soon, the Steelers may have just drafted his replacement. The Steelers put Deontay Johnson on notice with their second round selection of one of the best wide receivers in the draft. George Pickens was in my top three receivers in his draft. He could have easily been a first round selection and possibly the first wide receiver off the board if he had no question marks with his on and off the field actions. Now I know the Steelers like their players a little rough around the edges so he'll fit right in and head coach Mike Tomlin isn't new to Rennie and players who have similar issues to Pickens. With the wide receiver market ramping up and the Steelers boasting one of the most expensive defenses in the league, it'll be key to watch just how much Pickens impresses during camp, preseason, and even into the season. He has the talent to take over the number one role in his rookie season, though I still think Deontay will hold on to that role for at least this year. Deontay and his team can get close to $20 million should he enter the open market, and with his injury concerns, he may be looking for the most security with his future. The Steelers will be watching those two very closely since one of them will be the wide receiver one of their future. The Baltimore Ravens had one of, if not the most injured team last year. They don't have many camp battles to note, but they do have a situation that you should be paying very close attention to. Both of their starting running backs last year were injured with season-ending ACL tears and may miss time during camp. Running backs coming off that injury historically have struggled in their return as well. Both J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are both very talented running backs, but the odds of both of them returning the form are pretty low. If I had to bet on any of them returning the form, it'd be Dobbins, who I think is the better of the two. But should both of them return a form though, which is what the Ravens are banking on, this team could very well make a run for this division. Last season, they went away from what their identity has been because of the injuries, but with the departure of Hollywood Brown, they don't intend to throw the ball as often as they did last year. With their two young and talented running backs coming back, they'll go back to being the ground and pound and playing good defense team that we knew. They found production in the run game with people off the streets last year, so seeing their actual one-two punch back in action may surprise a lot of people who forgot just how good they are. You should be paying attention to see if either Dobbins or Edwards suffer any setbacks or if they lack the same burst they once had. By all reports, it seems like Gus Edwards is going to be a go for week one, but Dobbins won't play in the preseason, which isn't a good sign. If he starts the year on a pup, I'd knock the Ravens down just a tad bit. Alright, those are all the teams we had in this class session. I hope you all enjoyed tuning in to my must-watch camp battles for the AFC East and North. Be sure to keep a lookout for the rest of the divisions that will be dropping soon. By the time training camp is started, I'll have covered all the things you should be looking out for. As always, don't forget to check out our Twitter, at Sloth University, and our TikTok using the same handle for more extracurricular activities. Most importantly, spread love and stay safe. Class dismissed. All right, kid, here's the deal. At any given time, there are around 1,500 aliens on the planet, most of them right here in Manhattan. And most of them are decent enough. They're just trying to make a living. Cab drivers. Not as many as you'd think. Humans, for the most part, don't have a clue. They don't want one or need one either. They're happy. They think they have a good bead on things. But why, why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. The person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. 
1,500 years ago, everybody knew the Earth was the center of the universe. 500 years ago, everybody knew the Earth was flat. And 15 minutes ago, you knew that people were alone on this planet. Imagine what you'll know tomorrow.